Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Those of you that have been with us for a little while, we've been talking about the power of righteousness. The power of righteousness. And um, um, the definition that we've defined righteousness is, as so far, is number one, it is to conform to a standard. And we know that standard for God is perfection, right? So to conform to that standard. Now, uh, as we've asked in the past, uh, not many of us can conform to that standard. None of us actually can conform in our own abilities, in our own strength uh, to perfection. Uh, it's, It's the goal that no one ever reaches. It's the goal that no one can actually do on their own. It's like running 100 miles in one day. Uh, not too many people can do that. I'm sure there's somebody on earth that can do that. Um, but I don't think there's a person here that can run from North Carolina to Texas in a day. That's kind of unreachable, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's a tough goal to, to, to get to Texas in a day. So in that way, it's, it's unobtainable. Well, perfection for us is the same way. It's unobtainable in our own strength. Now, people can get to Texas um, by car in a day. You know, you'd have to get on it a little bit, but you could get there in a day, and many probably have. But for a person by foot to do it or by bicycle to do it, that's almost unobtainable. Not almost. It is unobtainable. Well, perfection for us is that way as well. Um, To conform to God's standard of perfection is unobtainable. So we need someone to literally make us his standard. And his standard is what? Perfection. So we need someone to make us what? Say the word. I dog, double dog dare you to say that word. We need someone to make us perfect, don't we? Because that's his standard. That's the only kinds of instruments he has in his kingdom are perfect instruments. perfect people. So if we've not been perfect or made perfect, perfected, then we don't meet his standard and therefore we cannot come into his kingdom. Now I know that's a, that's a big thing to swallow and, and most often than not, in religion you're not going to get that kind of word. But in the word you're going to get that. Religion is going to tell us that we're always forever the worm. Always forever the one crawling up underground, hoping that God will somehow, some way, like us in some kind of way. Maybe, just maybe, if we do enough good things, God will say, okay, you're good. Come on in. But all of us know that that's never the case, is it? And we battle constantly in our minds, does God like me or does he not? We're kind of convinced that he does love us, but we're not too convinced that he likes us. And so we're battling that way all the time. And so I submit to you that the definition, one of the definitions of righteousness is to conform to his standard, and his standard is perfection. And the only way we can be, have that done is to be made right. That's why the Bible tells us we have been made, made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been made the righteousness of God, not we have obtained the righteousness of God, but we have been made the righteousness of God. In other words, God makes us his standard or his perfection. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Also, it means to be absolutely right. Absolutely right. Not three-fourths right, not one-third right, not uh, half right, but to be absolutely right with God. To be absolutely 100% right with God. And then lastly... It means to stand before God without a sense of guilt or inferiority. To stand in the very presence of God without feelings of guilt or inferiority, which many people live their entire Christian life in that state, guilt and inferiority. 
forever. You know, so they're always forever dealing with that mindset of guilt and inferiority. And so sometimes they have some good days, you know, they did a lot of good things and they feel pretty good about themselves. Other days they just feel slammed terrible because of something that they've done or had done in the past. So we're going to deal with all of that today uh, as we read through the scriptures. And, um, and then we talk about, and we're going to eventually get there, we didn't get there this morning, but we're going to get there, the fruit of righteousness or the, the, the product that comes from being made right, which is would be called the fruit of righteousness. And the fruit of righteousness is, is what comes out of the state of being made right. We've been made right. We've been made an apple tree, as it were. We've been made an orange tree. And so we should expect what to come out? We should expect oranges if it's an orange tree. We should expect apples if it's an apple tree. We should expect pears if it's a pear tree. So I was going up to our street today, and there's this one house, and, I, and this must be the first time they've ever had a, uh, uh, these, these pears. I looked close enough, and I saw that they were pears on this tree, that, on, on our street, a uh, pear tree. And I looked up real closely, and I was like, Katie and my daughter, we were walking. I said, those are pears on that tree. And uh, so the tree had been there for a little while, but I have never seen it produce anything until this year. And this year, they've got um, uh, two-by-fours holding up the branches so that, the, so that they won't, you know, cause the branches to break. And, but, yeah, there's pears on that tree this year. I don't know what the maturation process is or how long it takes to, for them to actually come out, but they're there this year. And they look pretty little uh, pears. But I said all that to say that they were expecting those pears to come out. But we can't get the cart before the horse, can we? What does it mean to put the cart before the horse? It means that we're expecting to bear fruit when we're not convinced that we are the tree yet. Does that make sense? We're, we're expecting to bear fruit, but we're not convinced of the fact that we are the tree the tree is the righteousness. The fruit is the fruits of righteousness, which are good deeds, good acts. So let's get right into it, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, and we have covered most of it, but we're going to start back at verse 14 and go from there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. If you go back and read any of Hebrews chapter 10, you find out that um, uh Paul is dealing with, or the writer of Hebrews is dealing with, the old sacrificial system of bulls and goats, and he says that old system could never take away sins. It could never do anything with, with sins, and so every year they had to bring back another sacrifice for sins because the old sacrificial system couldn't do the work. And then Jesus said, but I come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God, he takes away the first so that he may establish the second. And what is the second? The second is a sacrificial system that could take away sins, that could remedy man's sin consciousness, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pick up right there knowing that something significant has truly happened for mankind through Jesus Christ. Something really big has happened. It's not a small thing. What happens many times within religion is that we dilute what he's done way, 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 way down, like way down. And so we end up doing things in our lives to somehow extend our hands towards God, somehow get God to like us. If we go to church enough, if we do enough good deeds, God will, will like us, but we need to keep on doing them. That's not what the scriptures say. So let's listen to what the scriptures say. Let's start with verse 11. <clears throat> and every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God from the time waiting till his enemies are made his footstools. Now, I want us to kind of think about everything that is being said here. Uh, and everything that is being said is, is alluding to the one fact, and that is that Jesus has taken away sin. So even when it says he has made one sacrifice for sins for how long? For a day? Two days? 2020? 2021? 
No, he says forever. He's taken away sins through Jesus Christ forever. That means that they no longer exist anymore um, in the life of that person who becomes a believer. And so when it says he has, um, for every, uh, let's see. But this, uh, where was I at? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, it's already done. He's, he's in for the day and in for the lifetime. He sat down. There's nothing better than having done a good day's work and do what? Go and sit down, right? Go and, and know that the work has already been accomplished. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's done. Setting down is a show, most, in most cases, of someone who has finished the work at hand for that day. They sat down. And so he sat down, but he sat down for eternity. He sat down forever uh, at the right hand of the Father. Now, he's going to get back up again when he reigns upon the earth. But right now, he's sitting down. And then he says this, at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now, that's a good indicator as to um, he's not coming back tomorrow. Now, sometimes we measure whether or not when, and when God's coming based upon circumstances, and, and, and it looks really hairy right now, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like some stuff could come off. But listen to what he's saying here. He, said, he says he's not going to return until his enemies be made as footstool. That, seems, that means his body, the body of Christ, has the enemy under our feet as a reality. And we're not there yet as a body of believers. The church is not there yet. So this is a better indicator as to when he's coming back than the circumstances around them. Now, is, is, are these things matching up with some stuff that are, that's coming? You better believe it is. But will he back, be back tomorrow? I don't believe so. Because we still got some work in the church to get the enemy completely, wholly under our feet. So, so uh, unless, and, and I might be wrong, and you can call me on it tomorrow morning, in heaven that is, if I missed it, Y'all let me know, and I'll be there. I'll be all right with that, too. Like, yeah, I missed it. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesus came back last night. Now, if you're not there, something's wrong. That means you still got to get the devil under your feet. <laughs> all right. So, all right. <clears throat> so here in verse 16 or verse um, 13, it says, from that time waiting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now that is so beautiful. That language is beautiful. He says for by one offering he has perfected. That means he has finished the work, nothing left, nothing missing, nothing broken forever. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, here's, here's the why this is so important is because we have to begin to see ourselves in the light of completion and not being completed. In other words, God has already finished the work. It's already a done deal. He's not, there's no more needed to be done for us. He's perfected us forever. It's already completed. We have a difficult time if I went up and say, and uh, uh, Brother Eric here says, hey, Pastor, how you doing today? And I say, perfect. Yeah, what, what, what do you mean perfect? I mean perfect. What, what do you mean by that, perfect? I mean perfect. I'm perfect. I am perfect. What am I talking about? I'm talking about my status in Christ. I'm talking about it is all completed. It is finished. And I'm working on the sanctification part. Where is the sanctification part needed at? Sanctification means to be set apart or set further apart. And that sanctification is not done in our spirit because once you are born again, do you think God put uh, broken pieces in us? Think about that. He says you must be born again. So we're, we are now in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. You think in that new creation that he made us that he put some, some jacked up parts in us. Some, some lemon parts, like, like a lemon car. You know what a lemon car is, right? 
You got to take it back. You bought it. It looks good on the outside, but it's messed up on the inside. Do you think God really, do you think he really, you think he would really put in us some broken parts? You think that he would take this, this, this new creation and instead of putting no brand new best parts ever in them, he would put broken parts in there? Do you really believe that, he would be, that we serve a God like that? No. No, he wouldn't do that. He made us brand new, a new creation. He made us just like his son because he could do no better. We are the perfection of God. We are the rightness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been made right through the very substance of of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that even further in just a minute. So we got to grab hold of that and understand that my spirit and my soul, my mind, my will, my intellect may oftentimes have conflict with one another. Because this part of me hasn't been completely changed yet. I wish it were that way. I wish when he would, you know, that when he made me, the, the man on the inside, when he made me born again, made me new, that he would also have just completely turned my mind around at the same time. But that didn't happen. I, that didn't happen. And, and, and after the first day of the honeymoon of being in, in Christ Jesus, later on, the mind started coming back in and reminding me of that old man I used to be. And I'm certain that I'm not the only one that has had that. Well, man, where did that thought come from? Anyone ever... <laughs> anyone ever cussed and you like you had gone 10 like right after you got saved received your Christ man you went you ain't never done this before you went 6 weeks and never said a cuss word like like I'm just not a cuss word and then all, all of a sudden seemingly somebody pulls out in front of you and a word comes out well where was that word was it in your spirit and you're reborn again, created. No, it wasn't there. It was still lodged up in there in a file in your mind. It just had to be hit. The right button needed to be pushed. And when that right button was pushed, you said, I was speaking in tongues. No, you weren't speaking in tongues. You just cussed. <laughs> but it was already there. The file was there. It was there already. But that's nothing to be, a, that's not a problem. We can go back, and that's why the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, do what? Confess your sins, and he's faithful and true to forgive you and to cleanse you, cleanse your mind, cleanse your thought life from that unrighteousness. The unrighteousness is not in our spirit anymore. The unrighteousness is in our minds, and that's a lifelong work. We've been building a mountain, as it were, in our minds for a long time, and there's still ingrained files there, all kinds of files, files that you like, I thought that was gone, and you realize in a pressurized moment that it still came out. It still, you still acted the same way. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was uh, depression. Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was malice. Maybe it was bitterness. Maybe it was prejudices. Maybe it was racism. Maybe it was whatever, but it's still in there. Don't worry about it. You are now in Christ Jesus a new creation. There's now no condemnation, no de declaration of judgment on you. You just need to go back and clean up your mind. Don't sweat it. Don't get upset about it. Don't don't feel shame about it. You are now no condemnation. Uh, I think it was Joyce Meyer used to say, you have to separate who you are from what you do. Your who from your do. And we all have to do that. It's an ongoing work. And listen to me. Uh, if it were not an ongoing work, then that would mean that God is so very small. Right? If it were not a long, uh, ongoing work, to redeem our souls, as it were, to change the way we've been thinking so that we think more like God, then that means that God is just, he's just in first year of college and I just graduated from high school. Understand what I'm saying? We, we can catch up with him. No, he's worlds away from us in intellect and ability and, and thoughts and all of that. All of that is, so, so, Think, it, think it's not a, a, a small thing or a big thing that, that it takes a long time to renew this mind, to become more in fashion, more like God. It's okay. We have to shake things quickly, but we got to be on the journey of doing it. So 
All of that is to say that we've we got to put the horse in front of us and then he'll carry the cart behind us. Verse, um, verse 15 says, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us after, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Now this is significant right here, what we're reading. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. What's the question we're going to ask here? What's the question? What is, what is after those days, right? Isn't that the question? If we're studying, right? So the question is, in this covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. What are after those days? After the days we just talked about, when Jesus would come and when Jesus would die and make his sacrifice for all humanity, when that happens, that's after those days. So we're living in after those days right now, okay? All of us are living in after those days. And here's what he says after those days. says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. How does he do that? How does he write his laws uh, in our hearts, put them in our hearts and write them on our mind? How in the world does he do that? Well, I'm going to tell you how he does that. He changes our nature. He changes our spiritual DNA, as it were. He changes the coding of our spirit. He recodes it, so to speak. He makes it something that it was not before, and he puts his own DNA coding in it, genetic coding. Isn't that the way that they, they go back now and, and look at uh, ancestry stuff as they look at the, and they got all them numbers, and they can match the numbers up and all that kind of stuff, and they kind of know where you came from, Gary? <laughs> and they looked at it and said, um... We don't know where you came from. Your numbers don't match. <laughs> no, they look at all of our numbers and they can kind of tell based upon all of that that we came from, you know, where we came from, who our people are, blah, 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 and how many centimorgans match this, that, and the other. It's all coding. And so God is with the same word. He's now put his very DNA down on the very inside of us. That's what we are. And all of us have the same stuff. If we're born again, if we, they were able to do a DNA or, 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 or check our, our DNA as spiritual, a spiritual DNA, they would say, oh, yours is just like his and like hers and like his and his and her. And everybody's is the same. And, and then when they go back to it, it it's, it's just like Jesus's. Isn't that something? So he puts his laws in our hearts. In other words, he puts them down here. But then we have the work and the task of getting that which is on the inside of us, our new creation, and getting our minds to agree with it. And that's where the work of transformation takes place. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But now we, we, we stand a chance, don't we? Because we already know this is who I am. Now my lifelong work here is to get this part of me to agree with this part of me. And when I do that, nothing would be able to stop us. Nothing would be able to cause us fear anymore. That's why Jesus would say, uh, do not fear. He says, don't fear. Do not fear. Have no fear. How come? How come? Because he's telling us, you have the same DNA that I have. You don't really have a reason. Once you get to know this even more, you'll know that there's no reason for fear. Why am I afraid? The only reason we are afraid is because of the ghost in our soul. But once we side with what the Word of God says and know that God is on our side, then we don't have to fear anymore. Now, now listen to this part. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will what? No more. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Now this is in incredibly important right here. And th what that means is this. The word remission 
is not the word atonement. What is atonement? Atonement is covered. That's what the blood of bulls and goats did. They atoned for sin. They covered them up for a little while. Right? They didn't do anything with them. They just covered them up for a little while, but they never got rid of them. Well, what God did through Jesus Christ is he remitted sins. What did he do with remission? Is he took them away completely. He just got rid of them. He said, your sins and your lawlessness, I will remember them no more. I, I will remit them. They've been remitted. They've been carried away forever. And, 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 and it boggles my mind why we take so much energy in remembering our sins as opposed to understanding that God has remitted our sins and carried them completely and totally away. I mean, like gone. Like they don't exist anymore. So the believer, the once a person comes to Jesus Christ, he never asked them to go and confess their sins. 1 John 1, 9 is not for unbelievers. Did you know that? What is 1 John 1, 9? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and true to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's not for believers. I mean, that's not for unbelievers. How come? Because unbelievers don't need their sins forgiven. They need their sins remitted, carried away. Does that make sense? So God gives us a completely fresh start. When, he, when, when we get born again, he takes it all away. And then after that, he begins to deal with the stuff that still exists in our minds that produce actions, right? Understand what I'm talking about? In other words, there's still some, some stuff in our souls that produce action. He says, I know you're growing. I know, I know you need some time to grow. And I know that, that though I've made you a dog, you're still acting like a cat. Or though I made you a cat, you're still acting like a dog. So I'm going to give you a little time to get that bark out of you and bring in some meowing. Does that make sense? Because you've been barking for a long time. I'm trying to get you to stop that. And I'm trying to get you to begin to realize who you are now in Christ. I hope this is making sense. Because once we begin to understand who we are in Christ, the key to stopping the acts of sin is to begin to acknowledge who we are in Christ and begin to change the way we've been thinking about him. So now I'm renewing my mind. I know that I am who I am in Christ. I'm beginning to understand that even more. And every th time that my mind triggers and, and a new file pops open that we're part of the old life, I begin to renew that. I don't, I don't assume that that's me. And once that happens, and when I do miss it, guess what I'm quick to do? God, I confess that sin. I confess that sin. And you're faithful and true to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness so that we can maintain fellowship. Not, not to maintain a relationship, but to maintain our fellowship. It's no different. You know, our children will forever be our children, right? So when our children are born, um, um, I don't know about anyone else's children, but my children haven't always been what I wanted them to be all the time, every second, every minute. And so there's constantly the need for confession and forgiveness and cleansing. And what do we want as parents when we want it? We just want them to acknowledge it, don't we? Just acknowledge it. I can help you. If you but if you keep on lying to me, I can't help you. I made one of them. I think I told you. I made him put his hand on the Bible. <laughs> I said, put your hand on the Bible and tell me, did you did it or did you not? Uh, and he did it real casual, like, I did it. Like, like under his breath, I did it. I'm like, that's all I asked for. We had to bring out the Bible for you to tell the truth. <laughs> but, but then we're able to help out. We can, we can get past it. But if we don't, if we don't because before that, our, our fellowship was strained until there was a confession. Not a confession to be right with the Logan family, the Logan clan, he was already right with us. Does that make sense? He was already, he's in there. We're not going to take him out of the will. He's still, he's still going to be in there. However, 
so that we can have fellowship, so that we can live in the same house and talk and not have to walk around one another. Needing them to just, just, just say, say, just say it. I'm not going to kill you, though I'd like to. But once that happens, though, once that happens, it cleans us late, and you can immediately see fellowship restored. So that's what happens. We all give our, we, we forever, their, their sins, as far as we're concerned, are forever carried away in a good, uh, in, a, in a good relationship, right? I'm not talking about a dysfunctional kind of a messed up kind of a thing. But they start out in our lives, their sins have been completely remitted. But as they grow, they might mess up and we need them to step up and say, you know, I missed it. I messed up. You know, we might, we might use a little cleansing agent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A little cleansing agent. I know what, I know what the cleansing agent was back in my day. I had to go get my cleansing agent <laughs> off of a tree. And Lord, every every stripe cleansed me even more. I'm like, yes, I'm, I feel. <laughs> All right, let's keep on moving here. All right, so there's no more. So, so where there's a remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. So God, is, Jesus is not coming back and constantly uh, we don't need to plead with him over and over, take my sin. He's already done it once and for all. But he has given us 1 John 1, 9 so that we can keep, keep growing and get rid of some of the, the thoughts. Now, here's where we're at now. Look at verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which were consecrated for us through the veil that is the, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, he's telling us that when we come into the very presence of God, come in there like you belong there. Like, like not carrying any guilt whatsoever. With, the, with this sense of righteousness that has with it a swagger to it. A swagger. That I can go in the very presence of God without feeling guilt or inferiority, there is a swagger to there. And there's a swagger to help you kind of understand what this means. There's a swagger to anyone who has gotten to a place of expertise in a particular area or, or, or a sense of righteousness in a particular area. What do I mean by that? You, you take someone who has a craft. Uh, we talked about uh, Joe Collett earlier in our service who was a plumber. And if you've ever watched Joe Collett come into a, a situation a where he's looking at, 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 a, at a plumbing um, situation that for me, I've done lost every little bit of, of, of cool I had. You know what I'm saying? When, when it starts bubbling back up at you, and I'm like, Kim, what'd you do? <laughs> I started, what, 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 what'd you throw down the line, girl? What, what, what are you done did now? That's what I'm thinking, but not Joe. Joe's real cool. Joe just kind of walks in there, looks at the situation, assesses it like he's been there before with the boldness, with the confidence that I got an answer for that. Well, I'm growing in that confidence, but I'm not there yet in regards to plumbing. I got to tell y'all a little plumbing story. Can I tell y'all a little plumbing story? So I'm, I'm growing in, in, my, in my, 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 I'm growing in that area. And so the last time Joe came and did some work on our thing, he said, he says, the next time I'm going to put you a little, what do you call those things on the outside where you, where, where you can access the pipes from the outside a little easier? What do you call it? A clean out. That's right. So I went out there and I got me a, a little tool to open up the top of the thing. Turn that thing, opened it up like I knew what I was doing. I told my baby, I said, I said, I'm looking for this tool. Anyone else like me, when you need the tool, you can't find it. <laughs> Probably nobody else, but but definitely me. So I'm looking for this um this little uh, thing that that you just stick down. I don't even know what you call it, but unclogger. I couldn't find it. So I had to go to Ace Hardware and get the unclogger. And then I came back with great amount 
of intimidation, intrepidation. And I took the, the other tool, and, and, you know, some tools just make you look good, you know. When you walk with them, you just look like you know what you're doing. Well, that's just one of those big tools. And I walked in and I, and the top of the clean out opened up and <laughs> and it was just coming out. I started looking around and I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> well, what am I going to do now? But I did remember. So I went down there and I, and I, I hooked up the holes and I put the little uh, cl- unclogger, clogger thing in, in there and I stuffed it down to clean out with the, where the water was still kind of bubbling up and I stuck it down in there with gloves on. <laughs> stuck it down in there, turned on the holes and I heard something go. <laughs> and boy, I thought I was Superman after that. <laughs> I came back in the house, I said, uh, baby, I took care of that. I didn't even call Joe on that one. I like I, I just took care of it. But here's what I want I want you to know that the next time, if there is a next time, there probably will be a next time when this happened, because it hadn't happened probably in what three years or so. And it hadn't happened and but you know what? The next time it happens, I'm a, I'm gonna be so confident. I'm a, I'm gonna be so bold. Now I put the, I put it up somewhere. I know where I can get it next time. But what I'm what I'm saying there's a there's a another level of understanding of righteousness now for me in regards to the plumbing, right? Y'all understand what I'm talking about? Every level of righteousness we gain in the things of God. That's why used, we have to continue to chew on this the subject of righteousness because the more you get it, the bolder you're going to be in dealing with whatever circumstance comes your way. Whatever comes your way, you're going to be able to deal with it because there's a level of, of proficiency that you have in righteousness now where you can wield that righteousness in regards to who you are in Christ in, 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 in whatever circumstance. Jesus never, ever lost his cool. He never lost it because he knew God was with him the whole time. And that's what righteousness does for us. It puts us in a position where nothing is going to get me down. Because I know that God is with me. Now, listen, he says a little further in this. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. So it's going to affect our faith. It's going to affect the fact that we believe God. We believe God in any circumstance. Have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. That's part of it. That we don't have to consider, consider thinking we're always broken and always bad. You know, that I'm always this evil character in my own mind. That I'm just never good. No, he's actually, ask, actually asking us to change the way of thinking. Get rid of an evil conscience. Get rid of an evil conscience. And most people live in that place all the time is they feel like they are evil all the time. They grapple with this thought of being evil, 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 evil. And God is saying what Christ did for us should get rid of that evil consciousness. Being constantly with this shadow on us, this, this doubt so that we can walk in, in faith. He says, Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, this is so important right here for when we walk in full confidence in our righteousness in Christ Jesus. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the coronavirus or anything else that's going on in our lives. We can go with full assurance of faith without an evil conscience and, and, and not have to beg and scream and holler and cry and call everybody to our side to get God to move. God is not going to move because we shed a tear. God is not going to move because we call out to him 100,000 times and beg to him. God is going to move because of the blood of Jesus and we can go into that very room with boldness. With boldness and receive what we need from him and not be held back from doing what, what God has put us down here on earth to do and then to enjoy his creation. 
Nothing should stop us. You know, nothing should keep you from going to somewhere or doing something because of now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I was sharing an early one that I enjoy, I really have enjoyed it even more now, uh, riding my bike, my road bike. And I had stopped riding for a little while because I, I was thinking that in order to get a good workout, you had to ride for 20 miles. And man, every time I thought of 20 miles before I could get a workout, I like to have 20 miles. And my rear end starts to hurt. And, you know, about the, and, and you know, you just start, I'm like, 20 miles? And then my brother found out that, that and I don't know if it's true or not, but I, 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 I went with it. He said that um, actually for people that are like my age, that the, a short ride can do and more healthy for you than a long ride. And I was like, that's all I needed to hear. And so I'm starting to ride my bike again for seven, eight, nine miles, you know, and ride up some hills and be back home in 45 minutes or so. And, and I'm enjoying it again and getting out there and riding a lot more. And, 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 and here's the voice that will come into you. And, and people even say, well, you better watch out when you get on that road. You don't know. This is some bad times. People might just, just what? No, I'm not, I'm not saying be stupid about it and just I'm, I'm pick your times. I'm not going to ride in the middle of the day when all the cars, but, but I'm not going to, I'm the righteousness of God. There's a host of angels who travel with me when I'm riding. And that's how we begin to walk out our righteousness. You know, with, with, don't, don't, don't allow your words to be used to bring the enemy into your camp. Don't allow the, your words to be used in the, in the midst of the coronavirus kind of a thing by talking about, you know, how, man, it's going to get you. You better, no, it ain't going to get me. Am I saying that we shouldn't wear our, our mask in public places? By far, but to also with the mindset of helping other people, that we're not spreading the germs to other people. You know, that's the, the, I think that's the primary reason for it, isn't it? And just out of love, we should wear them. You know, that, that would be the primary reason for doing it. But, but I'm, not, I'm not going to limit life because of a fear of catching a virus. I'm still going to live my life. I'm still going to live it to the full as best I can with precautions in mind. So that nothing can stop me because, again, I am the righteousness of God. I am, you are the righteousness of God. And we have to begin to live out every day with that as our reality. Every day when you wake up in the morning, you side with what God is saying about you. You stop taking on, I'm just this and I'm just that. I'm just no good. I'm no, I'm the righteousness of God. Even if I feel that way, I'm still going to say what God says about me. And say it even, even when it seems like it's not popular. Even when it seems as though it, it, it's going to be received the wrong way, primarily you're going to say it to yourself. Primarily you're going to answer the voices that are going on in your own head about are you okay or are you not. And then once we understand that piece, we can begin to do the second part of that. And that says this is working into the fruits of righteousness. It says... Let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as, in the, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The latter part of it, that's, that's the cart. That's the beginnings of the fruits of righteousness is just that. Let us consider one another. See, I don't need to think about George anymore. God's already thought about me. He's already taken care of me. He's already made me his righteousness. And now I can spend my time considering others, stirring others up to good works, get my mind off of me, get my mind off of my circumstance and know that God's got George Logan. Now I can put my mind on other people and see ways of benefiting and helping them out and, and, uh, and, and, and being civil to all mankind. 
but you can't give that out. You can't give a sense of that rightness, that righteousness out unless you have it for yourself. And you can really begin to say, you know, I, I truly am the rightness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm 100% right with God. Not trying to be right with him, not hoping to be right with him. I am his rightness. And when we get that, that I am his perfection, then we can work on all those other things that may keep us from, from loving one another and, and, and giving our lives over for one another. I'm telling you, this is the answer to it all. I want to leave you with this last scripture that I shared this morning in uh, the book of um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. I don't know how these scriptures have escaped many of us um, or have not been taught on, but I think it's primarily because it's just hard to grab hold of, well, apart from faith, that God really, that we really are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So 1 John 4, 17 says this, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, boldness in the day of judgment. Now listen how we're going to have boldness in the day of judgment. Now this is important because if you feel like on the day of judgment you just got in, <laughs> you know, like, boy. Um, how in the world did I get here? No, he says, he says this. This is key. He says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. It does not say, as he will be, or as we as he is, so we, so we will be. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, as he is, so are we when? Right now. So are we right now. As he is, so are we right now. I don't, if Jesus comes back right now, there's no fear in George Logan. I don't care what I did last night or the night before or the day before. There's no fear because as he is, so am I right now. As he is, so am I right now. So when people talk about in church even, you know, you better get right with God. What are they saying? And many times they're saying, to, they're talking to the choir. You better get right with God. And I understand, I think, what they're meaning by that. They're talking about changing your actions. But here's what I want you to know is you're already right with God once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, you might need to get your thoughts right and your mind right in some areas. But you're already right with God. If Jesus were to come right now at this very moment, I'd be all right. Not because I've done everything right, but because I've been made right. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, so have you. And so when the judgment day comes, we're going there like, come on, come on. I've been waiting for this day. Yes, sir, come on, lay it on me. Yes, indeed. But boldness. Not being afraid that if I don't wake up in the morning, where am I going to be? Wake up dead. Where are you going to be? That's such a wonderful consolation, isn't it? That you and I, because we're in Christ Jesus, doesn't matter if we drop dead in the next minute, I'm all right. I have nothing but advancement ahead of me. That's all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word and to learn more about you, to learn who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are indeed the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the perfection of God in Christ Jesus, the very essence of God in Christ Jesus, the very DNA of the Spirit of Christ dwells on the inside of us, and we're grateful to it.
to you for it in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that we even grasp even more so who we are in Christ and live out the reality of it in our own lives. Our heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. And maybe some of you that are, are with us or possibly online with us today, you may be asking yourself, what would happen if I did not wake up tomorrow morning? Would I have that same boldness to go before the Heavenly Father, before judgment, and be bold about it and be confident that everything is all right because as he is, so am I in this world. If that is not who you are right now, if you're not like him in Christ right now, being spared any judgment, a pronouncement of judgment on your life, he does so through his son, Jesus Christ. And so if you're out there or in here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to receive him as your Lord, which means the one who has the say in your life and as your Savior, the one who will ultimately take you or be with, have uh, opened up the door for you to be saved in all areas of your life, then this is the time to make a confession, to confess. That means to say what the Word of God says about Jesus in your own life. So if you would pray this prayer with me. God in heaven, your word tells me that if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that you raise him from the dead, I shall be saved. Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.